Jesus said in John chapter 12, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's what Jesus said. And that's what we're trying to do here at Emmanuel. Hello, my name's Pastor Bob Gray, and I'm glad that you've taken the time to join us for one of our services. Our goal here at Emmanuel is to lift up Christ, to lift him up so high that no matter where you're at right now, he will draw you closer to him. That's our goal. May you enjoy the services of Emmanuel. And if I can be of service to you, please let me know. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Colossians chapter 3. And when you get to Colossians chapter 3 in the New Testament, and we work our way down, we come to Colossians chapter 3, and this is a conclusionary statement at the very beginning in verse number 1. And and I'm going to preach tonight on the secret to a consistent Christian life. You probably right now have uh, violated your New Year's resolutions. And if you have lived long enough, you have learned not to make New Year's resolutions. So that you can feel good about yourself mid-February. And where people are ripping post-it notes off the walls of their life and they're ripping up these journals that they have bought. And in December, it's like, I'm going to do this and this and this. And February, you finally found the journal. And you look at the journal and you go, mm, I'm never doing this again. Only for somebody to say, you'll never go forward in life unless you make plans. So you, next year, I'm sure you'll make plans again. One of the things that makes the Christian life such a conundrum, and I see people all the time become discouraged, is because they can't seem to live the consistent Christian life. They, they live it in spurts, they live it in, in seasons and, and little junkets. It, that there are times to where they're a better Christian and then they'll dive into this world of, I, I, I have forgotten to read my Bible. Have you ever woke up and said, Bible, reading Bible, mm, where have I been the last four days? It is easy. Y'all not admitting to it, straighten up your halo, but it's easy. Prayer, that prayer list, people on that prayer list, things you got to get done. This consistent Christian life, this is what we want. But here's the crazy thing. We feel like sometimes that because we are not consistent, that God is disappointed in us. Always remember this, that God's greatest attribute, and, I won't, and, and, and I'm convinced of this, is his long-suffering. <laughs> his ability to put up with you. I got one bigger than that. His ability to put up with me. Don't say amen to that. This, this is where we're at. And because life is so busy and life is so complicated at times, it, it, we, we're looking, what is that secret to living that consistent Christian life? Look at chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. What does it say? Verse number 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Look at the verbiage and look at what it's saying. What it's saying is, is take your affections like you would a jar and put it on the top shelf and do not put it on the bottom shelf. Put it on the top shelf where Christ is. 
Do not put it on the bottom shelf where the flesh is. Ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Go to Christ. Take your total life and completely hide it. You're getting ready through this chapter to realize that he is not talking about straddling the fence of the earth and heaven. What he's saying is, get all the way on that side. Set your affection on the things above. Hide your life in Christ. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye appear, ye also appear with him in glory. Glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. It does not say turn them down. It doesn't say kind of put them in the corner. It says mortify. Take out a gun and shoot it. Take out a knife and kill it. Mortify. Chop it off of your life. Do not fool around with things in your life. That's what he's saying. What he's saying is, if you want to live this Christian life, first you got to settle, have you been risen? Are you saved? How many are saved? Raise your hand. Then you can live the consistent Christian life. You can. But in order to do that, you have, you, you have to come to a point to where you set your life above. You hide your life in Christ. You mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Look at verse 5. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupience, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime, when ye, what please, lived in them. This, this, this constant end, if you will, to where earth's on this side. And everything you just read, fornication, evil concupience, and, and all these things that are found here, idolatry, covetousness, this is what the wrath of God will be poured out on over here. But see, you are saved. You are going to heaven one day. You'll never experience that final wrath of God. And so what God is saying is, look, set your affections not on these things, but on the things that are above. Take your life and hide it completely in Christ Jesus. Don't go back to where you used to live. Look at verse 8. But now also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the what, please? New man, which is, here it is, renewed in knowledge would you please say that and underline that and take note of that in your mind renewed in what please after the image of him that created him let me bring it down to where some of you live and what i'm about to talk about has cost many a husband money the worst thing this world's ever created is hgtv Those two anti-Chip and Gale out of Waco, they don't love the average husband. Because all of a sudden you're on there and it's like, this looks so easy. You can renovate this in 30 minutes. Newsflash, a 30-minute TV show is not reality. And do you know what this word renew means? What this word renew means is like when you sit and watch them ungodly ungodly you say is because they're not saved no i believe they're saved because they've infiltrated the christian homes in america <laughs> but you sit there and you look at this renovation 
and then you look around at the house and you look at that renovation and then you look around at the house and guess what that knowledge has renewed you to the point it's like let's go to Lowe's we could do this sweetheart one weekend and we're done oh no it's not and the more you watch that HDTV and the more you watch oh brother Chip and sister Gail or brother Gail and sister Chip whoever this am I saying this right no hang on my wife's gonna educate me tell me about your quiet time sister huh Chip and Joanna who's Gail The more you watch the Waco compound, the more you walk away saying to yourself, you keep watching this, and we, one, will not have any money. Number two, you're not going to recognize the house. Your husband just got done putting in those cabinets. No. They had to come along, whichever one's Chip and whichever one's Joanne, and they had to show you better cabinets. You've been through five sets in your house. You didn't live there a year. So understand, this is the renovation. That's what renew means. It means this renovation. We are stuck with the flesh and eternity. And what he's telling the Christians in Colossae is this. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, look at verse 11, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And here's where we want to live. Bowels of mercy. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long-suffering. Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Look at this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If you will look at verse number 10 through verse number 17, this bowels of mercy, all of a sudden when there's a bowel of mercy and there's kindness and the Word of God is dwelling in you richly, it's because you have renewed yourself with knowledge. The more you know about God's Word, and the more you know about Jesus Christ, and the more you learn, guess what? The more you're going to act like Christ. But the less you fill yourself with the Word of God, and the less you fill your mind with the Word of God, and the less knowledge you have about Him, the more you're going to revert to where you used to live. And this is what Christians do. They vacillate between... My affections are here. Then all of a sudden, then why are my affections here? And there are Christians who cannot live a consistent Christian life. The secret to living this Christian life consistently, I know you came to church for this, are you ready? Is to consistently learn about Jesus. 
That's how simple it is. Thanks for coming. Because when you do not sit down and turn on the knowledge that renovates you, renews you, then you will by default revert to the old man. And let me show you what it impacts. This chapter is not put here on accident. This chapter, if you will, trans, trans, it, it, it bridges over into verse 18. Look at it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it fits. As it is fit in the what? He comes to the wives first. And this is why our homes are in the, the state that they're in. This is why the homes sometimes vacillate. And when you wake up and you realize, man, the home today is not the home that was yesterday. I, I thought that we were a Christian home only to find out that vile, wicked things go on and we don't even look like a Christian home. And everybody's wanting this consistency. I will tell you the number one thing that a lady wants. Gentlemen, listen to this. The number one thing a lady wants is not a rich man. It's a spiritual man. Every lady wants to know that her husband is spiritual and that her husband knows how to live this consistent Christian life. And gentlemen, we can't live this unless we're in the Word every day. And we can't live this unless we're being renovated, this, this new man on the inside. Look what it says there in verse number 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in what, please? Knowledge. Tell me what you're feeding your mind and tell me what you're feeding your soul in knowledge. And I know this sounds like maybe a separation sermon, and it is. And I know maybe this sounds like stay away from the world sermon, and it is. Because to the degree that we're opening this book, and to the degree we're taking our time to immerse ourselves in the mind of God and put on, is to the degree, look at verse number uh, 16, look at it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Did you see that? Look at verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Because if that can't happen, then it spills over to wives cannot submit. Husbands, you don't know how to love. Look at verse 19, and be not bitter against them. Paul knew what he was talking about. Because when you and I are not living with a renovation mind, a renewing mind, that we're always renewing, we're always tearing out, we're always putting in Christ, we're always tearing out, we're always putting in Christ, you should be in constant re construction in your life do not put a 1960 coat of paint do not say well i've read that word through every year and i don't have to no 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 look at me you are always in renovation mode you are always getting knowledge you are always saying god where am i at because what you need today is not what you needed yesterday. And what I need today is not what Bob Gray needed yesterday. I've got to constantly go to God's word and say, God, I want to set my affection on the things above. I want to live over here. Because at any moment, listen to this, at any moment, I can go to the wrong side of town. I want, I want you, and this is where most, most Baptists have a problem. If you would go back up to verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Question, was he talking to lost people or saved people? 
want everybody to listen to me. Everybody in this room at any time can become a fornicator. And if you just said, oh, not me, then you've not been renovated. Anybody, at th anybody in this room, look at it, can become unclean. Anybody can have inordinate affection. Anybody can have evil concupience. Anybody can have covetousness. Anybody, if you'll walk all the way down to verse 8, anybody can have anger. Anybody can have wrath. Anybody can have malice. Anybody can have blasphemy. Anybody can have filthy communication. Anybody can lie. Anybody. And it is so hypocritical for you and I to sit here and say, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I am a deacon. No, you don't understand, deacon. You, with one day, one week, without the knowledge of God renovating your mind, you can go back to that side of town because better than you have done that. If I sat here and said, well, I'm the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church, I could never go to that end. How many pastors have gone to that end and disgraced their marriage and disgraced their church and people left God because some, no, anybody can go there that's why all of us better fall to our knees in humility and say God oh my God I don't want to live there I want to be consistent when the best things was ever said Sunday night I think it was or Sunday morning last Sunday morning or Sunday night I think it was Sunday morning and uh, we, we couldn't get to the house of God and I, I made an executive decision that we were going to go to church online the college students uh, were on 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 property and and, and, a, and a couple of families drove in because they could get in. We were sitting in the, in the uh, uh, outreach center there before church, and we were getting ready to go live here. And, and we met at 9.30, and the college students that were on property, we sang a little bit. And, and, uh, but before we did that, there were some college girls sitting in the outreach center, and they had their Bibles open. And, and one of them said something that was very interesting that has really stuck with me, and I knew that this was going to be the sermon for tonight. And, and there was a group of college girls there, and one of them said something, then the others chimed in. We had an evangelist, Brother Caleb Reed, that was preaching in chapel here last week, and, and he did, made such an impact on our college that it had carried over to Sunday. And here's what those young ladies said. They said, we find ourselves wanting to spend more time in God's Word when we have downtime. As long as those young ladies will do that, then they'll constantly be updating that new man. When, when do we start putting more knowledge of him on the inside? Would you look at it, please, because I think it outlines itself, and I have three things to say and then I think I need us to make an, a commitment, commitment tonight. Would you look at verse number 10? And have, what, what is that next what? Put on. Look at, go back to verse number 1 in chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, what? Seek those things. Colossians chapter 3, and look at verse number 2. Set your affections. Do you see what it's saying here? Look at verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. You see, I think many of us are waiting for the lightning from heaven to change us. We're waiting for something supernatural to lift us up. We're waiting for the cloven tongues to come down. We want God to prove to us how good he is. 
God proved that the day he saved you. God proved that the day he sent his son to die on a cross. God proved that the day his son came out of that grave. And I think there's a lot of people that are sitting in the pews right now going, well, I could live that consistent Christian life. And Brother Rob, maybe I'll wait to the homecoming revival. Maybe it'll strike me then. Oh, the missions conference wasn't able to happen. Brother Moore, too bad. God had his chance, but he brought snow instead of conviction. Listen, I'm going to tell you what the Savior said in the, in the parable. The man that died and went to hell, he said, hey, could you send back? Somebody from the dead to tell my brothers, they'll listen to them. What did the parable say? No. They have Moses and the what? Prophets. Let them hear them. I'm calling on some of you to stop fooling around with living in the world and loving on the world. And then why can't I live this Christian life? Because we're not consistent with the knowledge of God in our life every day. Make up your mind. You may have broken your diet resolution. You may have broken your financial resolution. But why don't you make a lasting resolution? Because it says, put on, put on, set your affections, set your affections. And it's about time we stepped up and exercised our will that we did when Christ saved us. And exercised our will to where we can live for God. Set it. Take it. Deliberately say, I am going to set my life. And I'm going to put it on that top shelf. About time some of you singles and millennials got rid of that music that's in your iPad. That fills your stinking head with those kind of junk. About time some of you teenagers got rid of that stuff. And stopped saying, well, you know, it's just the life that I live. It ought not to be the life you live. He saved you from going to hell. Now, bless God, get that junk, get it out of your life. And make a conscious decision. I'm setting my life on the things above. Revival just does not happen without the aid of the human will. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And he tells them here, put on. I am so weary as a believer with people saying, I just have to be myself. Do you know what that's saying? Then if you just have to be yourself... Why do people get worldlier? Wait a minute. Because if I'm saved, my citizenship is in heaven. If I'm saved, I've got the holiness of God living on the inside. So if I'm going to be true to myself, then I must be true to the only part of myself that will live forever. And the only part of me that's going to live forever is the part that God saved. And I'm telling you that the only reason there's this vacillation in the Christian life is because nobody's ever stepped up and said, um, I'm making a decision. I'm not perfect, but I am going to set my affections on the things above. And I'm putting it on the top shelf. And that every day I'm going to put her back on the top shelf. And that every day I'm going to put her back on the top shelf. I think a lot of times when we give dates, and I'm very, very, dates mean a lot to me. If I can remember my anniversary, that means a lot to me. Dates mean a lot. I got saved March 27, 1979. I got right with God in July of 1984. But when we say things like that, I think that what we say, what, we, what we're saying is that, that, well, from that day till now. No, no, no. Do you think what we ought to start saying? Today I got right with God. I think what we ought to start saying is, hey, today, okay, can I just let you all know? Today I got right with God. 
Today I read my Bible and I put my affections on the things above. During the night it started to come lower. On the, I put it right back up there. And when do we stop being ashamed that we give up something? And when do we stop being ashamed? Well, if I could walk that aisle and if I give up something, boy, then people are going to think, what, you're a sinner? Like you're a sinner? This should be the happiest time of your life. This should be the most joyous time of your life. And do you know why it's not the most joyous time of our life? Because we're slumming it when we're the children of the king. And it's about time we made up our mind, I'm going to put on. It's a conscious decision. I decided I want to marry that woman, so I married her. I decided that I wanted to live there, so I'm living there. And there ought to be that in your spiritual life. Look what it says there in Colossians. It says, put on. The second thing I want to tell you is this, is keep gaining knowledge about him. Oh, my friend, if you'll travel down to verse number 10, look at it, and put on the new man, which is renewed in what, please? Knowledge. Stop convincing yourself you know everything about Jesus Christ there is to know. Stop convincing yourself. And just because you know the song doesn't mean the words on the screen are going to match the song you know. Mm, I needed an illustration for that right there, and God was so good. I'm standing up here going, no need to thank him now. I'm thinking, them words don't match up with the song. Did we just tell everybody, don't thank them now? (laughs) Hey, listen to what I'm about to tell you. That I didn't do the words on the screen. (laughs) Listen to what I'm about to tell you. There are some times that we take the book, and I hope you're being convicted right now. Here's what we do to the book. I read it once all the way through. I've been to Sunday school all my life. I know all there is to know about him. That's like uttering these blasphemous words. I've been married for 34 years, and I know everything there is to know about her. Oh, no, you don't. She is the fourth part of the Trinity. The only difference is she was not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I better shut up right now or I'm in trouble. Can I go with you guys? And uh, is there an extra bed down there? Amen. Let me tell you something. Keep gaining knowledge about him. And can I get a little now, now, personal? Can I get in your world a little bit? Stop having other, let other people tell you about him. Go find out about him. I'm all for books. I'm going to write one one day. The title is going to be No Need to Thank Him Now. (laughs) But the best book I can ever give to you is the book you already have. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with books. And I love sermons. I love preaching the sermon. Some of you are saying, well, if we don't need to listen to anybody, why do we come to church? To hear somebody say, go back to him. My job's to push you to him. 
Because the more you know about him, would you please look, if you will, look what it says. The more you find out about him. Look at verse 5. It says mortify, and it goes through these, this list. And let me just pause and say I praise God for his verbiage and his phraseology in the book. Look at verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. The closer you get to him, the more you want to stay away from things that he's going to have to pour his wrath out on one day. See, everybody's looking for this list of how short's too short and how, how, how low's too low and what kind of is not. And should we not, whenever you try to list God, you get yourself in trouble. But when you start knowing him, Why would I want to slum with things that is going to anger my God one day? You see, you live in a great age. And if I could use the word dispensation in context of eternity, we live in a great age. It is the age when Christ is waving his white hanky and saying, I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. Paul, I love you. But to the depth of his love is also to the depth of his anger. And one day he's going to pour it out. And I don't understand why believers want to flirt with these things. Would you go to Romans chapter 1? Kelly and I were studying the book of Romans. We've been studying this together as a husband and wife. We came to the end of Romans chapter 1. society is out of control here in Romans chapter 1 sodomy is set in homosexuality is on the on the rise nobody wants to retain God and everybody has reprobate minds there was something that was very evident to Kelly and I in verse number 32 who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same Look at this, but have pleasure in them that what? Oh, my friend, there's a segment of believers, even in this auditorium, I'm afraid, that you would never go there and do that, but you take your pleasure in watching them go there and do that. And this is why the Christian life's inconsistent. Put on, make a decision. The second thing I'm going to tell you, if we go back to Colossians chapter 3, up your knowledge of Him. Find Him in every song. Find Him in every passage. I, I asked you last Sunday night to cut out anything that's not King James out of your spiritual diet for 30 days. And go strictly by the King James. The second thing I'm going to ask you tonight, if we want revival, it's coming up. April the 25th, I'm expecting God to do big things in our church. But I don't think we start on April the 25th. I think we start tonight. And I think we say, no, I'm going to start living a consistent Christian life from here to there. Because I am telling you that once God plugs you in to his kingdom, once God plugs you in, but you first have to be plugged into him. Him. Do you really know him? 
Because when you know him, I didn't mean to go here, but go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5 on the mountain, and the Lord's bringing scripture to my head. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 3, the very first thing he says. He's taking his disciples to the top of Matthew chapter 5. Oh, may your thirst for God's word be picking up. May your thirst, I want to know more about God. Stop reading it for the black and white or the black, red, and white. Stop reading it for that which is put in print and say, I want to know God. Look what it says here. Blessed are the poor in what? Spirit. For theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something. In this kingdom of heaven, and I'm not a spooky man, and I'm not a man, but I'll tell you this much. There is something about emptying out your spirit of all the junk of this world and then coming to the Lord with a tin cup and saying, God, I just want to know you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paul was caught up to that third heaven. And when he came back down, he said, I cannot even begin to tell you. I was talking with one of our college young men, and, and he was trying to articulate, and I asked him if I could use this by permission. <clears throat> Here's how the conversation went. Pastor, can I see you real quick? Yeah, come to the glass door. I'll be there in five minutes. Knock on the glass door, open up, he comes in. Here's how the conversation went. The other day, I was reading my Bible. And I didn't even know I was so good. It was wonderful. I didn't know I was so good. It was so great. And I'm sitting there going, wow, God must have really touched you. I know he did because I was so much of a believer. And I was like, so how wonderful was it? And I'm like, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> and I text him. And I said, that was the best conversation I have ever had. Because when you go to the heavenlies, you can't put it in terms that anybody else would ever understand. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Would you raise your hand? You know when you usually get there? camp do you know when you usually get there teen convention do you know when you usually get there revivals do you know when you usually get there father-son retreats singles do you remember October you know when you usually get there when it's a day and a half of nothing but God because then you're poor in spirit and all of a sudden the heavens open up hey you want to live a consistent Christian life? Colossians 3, put on, make up your mind. Stop fooling around with life. Second of all, get as much knowledge about him as you can get. Listen to every bit of songs you can listen to that are about him. I'm going to take a step on the classical side. Ditch the classical. Run to the spiritual. Ephesians 5 does not talk about classical 
everything in Ephesians 5 of being filled with the Spirit is centered around psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It does not come from the mind of man to the keys of the finger. It's not a Bach and a Beethoven that's going to take you where you need to go. And it's not Garth Brooks that's going to take you where you need to go. It's everything about him. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to this because in Colossians 3, it says, when my life is hid in His, when Christ, when I set my affections, and then I gain this knowledge of the holy Colossians 3, and I'll end on this. Then all of a sudden, in verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Colossians 3, 12, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, Long-suffering, verse 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Did you see what he's telling us here? I'm going to end with this. You're going to find that when you do this on purpose, listen. You're going to find out that when the knowledge of the holy is what you want, when you're wrapping your life in songs about Him and Scripture about Him and taking downtime and letting it be about Him, then you can't help but act like Him. Did you hear that? This spiritual, pseudo-spiritual life that everybody's pushing. But yet, it has no acts. It has no feet to it. No, my friend. When you are acting, you're putting on, make a decision, and then your knowledge about Him, then what you're going to find out is you're going to act like Him. I'll end with this. Philippians chapter 2, if you go there. Philippians chapter 2. This is what you will become. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, when you become like Christ, watch this, you leave your position of superiority. And when you become like Christ, you condescend. You come down and you want to help people. This is what it's all about. That is not what it's all about. Please don't think that ministry work is what you see your pastor do every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. That is not ministry work. Ministry work is not me performing ceremonies. Ministry work is not me burying the dead and marrying the young. That is not ministry work. Ministry work is when I go help people. Ministry work is when I help marriages. 
and I help young people, and I help college students, and I drive to help somebody. That's ministry work. Ministry work is when you stop and you help those in need. That's ministry work. And you know you're getting closer to living a consistent Christian life when inside of you, it's like, I just got to help. I got a call this afternoon. Musicians, if you'll come on and come, got a call this afternoon from a pastor in North Carolina. And I returned the call. He said, Pastor, I'm sitting here in North Carolina. And he said, you know, one time I remember what it was like to not have any heat in the house. I remember what it was like not to have food. I remember what it was like. Pastor, in my heart right now, I need to help somebody out there in Texas. If I raise money and send it to you, will you help? And I said, my brother, let me identify who needs help, and then I'll help. You see, when you get closer to him, you stop thinking about you. And it becomes about others. I'm calling on our church tonight. It's, it's time to get off dead center. It's, it's time to make a, use your will to make a commitment. It's time to ditch some things. It's time to get right with God. It's time to kick out those things that have no knowledge of the holy in them. And let's start immersing ourselves in Him. And what you're going to find out is, is that when you do things for people for the sake of getting them the gospel, that's Christianity. When you do things for, things for people and just to solve a human problem, that's humanitarianism. Christianity is when you do it to get them the gospel. And that's what we're all about.